Hey y'all, welcome to Wild Confidence. I'm your host, Ainsley B, and I can't wait to share with you some amazing guests on this season of the podcast. Our goal here is to help one another find, keep, and share our wild confidence in Christ. I'm so thankful you're joining us, and if you love the episode today, I'd be so grateful if you left a review or shared it with a friend. All right, all right, let's hop in. I can't wait to meet our guest today. Rachel Gilbert, MMFT, is a wife, mom, trauma-informed therapist, owner of BBC Health, and podcast host of Real Talk with Rachel. She combines her clinical expertise and personal experience to help women overcome fear and insecurity to walk confidently in their God-given dreams. Rachel Gilbert, welcome to Wild Confidence. I'm so excited to talk to you um, about your book. How are you? Hey, Ainsley. I am great. I'm excited to be here chatting with you. Yeah. Okay. So I have your book right in front of me. It's called Image Restored, Tear Down Shame and Insecurity to Experience a Body Image Renovation. I just can't tell you like how excited I am that this book is in the world and that you felt the calling to write it because I think that, I mean, you know this more than anyone because you wrote a book on it, but this is something that I feel like every female needs right? Like, do you, do you, I mean, you, I guess you, you have to agree because you wrote it, (laughs) but how was that process and keeping those people in mind? I do agree with you. And it's interesting you say that because a common question that I get is how can I know if I'm in need of a body image renovation? And I'm kind of like, well, do you have breath in your body? And, you know, like it's, it's pretty, (laughs) pretty simple. And it's pretty, it's very rare that I meet a woman who has not had some form of struggle in some way, shape or form when it comes to body image and this type of a thing. And also I do like to say men do struggle with this topic. In fact, I really have my eyes very much open to that when I worked in an eating disorder center and we had pretty equal amounts of males and females there, but the book, the way I wrote it is definitely in the voice of women and all of that. So, you know, my heart is for women, but I do like to just say that, yeah, men do struggle with this as well. And you asked how I kept them in mind. You know, here's the other thing about body image. (laughs) I did not necessarily want my first book that I wrote to be on body image because it's extremely vulnerable. It's, uh, it's my, the biggest thing I've walked through personally, biggest thing that has hung me up. And if I'm going to be transparent here still can hang me up, even though I just Mm -hmm. wrote a book on body image. And so I was able to keep that in the front of my mind because it felt like even the days I'd start, I'd go to write, I would maybe be going through something myself and then I'd have to overcome like, oh, am I a fraud? I'm sitting here writing a book on body image and I'm having a thought pop up right now that's totally twisted and not true at all, but I'm wrestling through it. And I actually think that the enemy could have used that to trip me up and disqualify me. However, thankfully, the Holy Spirit said, actually, I want you to think about that as you're writing. Speak to that. Speak to what yeah. you're going through right now and help the women who are in it with you. Yes, I love that so much. And I actually was talking to another author about something similar recently where it's like you go to sit down to write and you suddenly realize like, wait, this is really what I've been going through recently. So, okay. Like (laughs) I thought I was totally over this. I thought this, I was writing from a scab, not or a scar, not just a little scab. And 
So I definitely relate to that and definitely feel like you and I are not alone in that because I was just um, having that conversation recently. So I do, I want to hear more about like your journey and your story about this specific topic. But one thing that I really want to highlight, and I think my favorite thing about your book is that you are a trauma-informed therapist. So this isn't just coming from someone who has had a general struggle with this. This is like tangible. Like you have, you know, the education behind it to say, hey, these are things that work. These are things that you can do at home, like that are from a therapist, which that I just want to highlight because I'm just so thankful. Like, I'm just so thankful that you have all of those qualifications going into um, the content of this book. So rare to get so much richness and wisdom in one place. And if there's any topic that needs that, it's this one. So with knowing that you have this education, uh, now I definitely want to hear about your personal body image renovation. Ainsley, I'm so thankful that the Lord did not open the door for me to write this book sooner. I know Mm, oftentimes we want things to happen really quickly and right away. And I'm just glad that I had the chance to go through my schooling and become, as you said, a trauma-informed therapist, because it shifted my perspective on healing this body image issue. And on a personal note, you know, you asked about my personal story. Yeah. Growing up, I was always just a little overweight and never had had a boyfriend or anything until I got into high school. And then I had a abnormal hip injury that the doctors, their recommendation was you need to lose some weight. And they, but they didn't tell me how to lose the weight. They just were like, you need to, if you lose some weight, this could fix your problem. So I stopped drinking soda and stopped eating candy bars. And within a month, this is the only time in my life this has happened. I dropped like 30 pounds, like just, you know, kind of fell off because I changed a few things. And I went from being the girl who'd never had a boyfriend, wasn't really noticed to, I started getting a lot of attention from guys. And I very clearly remember walking through the halls of our high school and being like, wow, this is what it feels like to be noticed. And like, I loved it. I mean, I'll just go and say it right there. It was like, this is great, you know, and I'm getting called hot and I'm getting asked out by guys. And And I got my first boyfriend and that was a very toxic relationship. And he just really contributed to this new version of me, if you will, this unhealthy version that was all wrapped up in my identity being in what I looked like. And in that season came this cycle of the extremes, the yo-yo dieting, the Mm. crazy, crazy stuff, disordered eating, body dysmorphia. And what's really interesting about that too, when I look back on that season is so many people complimented me all the time, even adults of just like, wow, we're so proud of you. You've lost all this weight. You look amazing. And Mm. I reflect on some of those times of my life when I quote unquote looked amazing. And on the outside I did, but on the inside, I was probably having the most mental health issues ever. Uh, Mm. just an internal battle that we're going on. And so uh, lots, you know, fast forward into college and I, my husband and I got married young and it was really when I got married that my issues came to light because marriage has a way of doing that, you know, things that you're kind of able to keep hidden and nobody (laughs) knew about. 
it's like, I couldn't keep that, that side of myself hidden anymore. And, and so my healing journey did begin, um, in, in that time. I mean, I could tell you several stories. I don't want to spend the whole time talking about me, but I did end up, I taught group fitness for about a decade because I got my undergrad in exercise physiology. And then after being a stay-at-home mom, I went back and got my graduate degree and became a therapist. And that's, I actually researched body image and eating disorders in graduate school. And that's when my love really came alive because I just knew I needed healing for me. And then I wanted to learn how to help other people. And that's why I, I said, I'm thankful that the Lord didn't let me write this book until I became trained, because I think it would be tempting to have approached it from the aspect of just linear of this is what, how it worked for me. And yeah. I see body image healing is, is very much like grief and trauma and that it's just complex. Yeah. Yeah. You're so right. And it's so different for everyone. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the root of, well, I guess the different, even the different ways of either restricting or binging or those are all different. And then the root of those can be so different. And gosh, you're so right that the timing probably just couldn't be better than yeah. now. Than just like not only just your personal experience, but the expertise that you now have. Okay, you have probably by now heard me talk about the Enneagram 15 million times. I think it is one of the most helpful tools for relationship change and self reflection that I've ever used outside of the Bible, of course. Now, I use a gospel approach whenever I'm talking about the Enneagram and especially whenever I am coaching people through their type and all the questions that might come with discovering your type. I am an official licensed Enneagram coach and I would love to work with you on your Enneagram type and your um, self-discovery journey. So shoot me an email or check out my website, EnneagramWithAB.com to learn more. And you said one thing that I just kind of want to revisit, and that was about the adult messages, kind of like the adults that were saying that this was such a good thing. And I feel like that's one thing that I'm kind of nervous about as I try to rewrite some generational um, messages or traumas or whatever for my daughter. And I'm like, how do I prevent these adults from sending these harmful messages, Um, whether it's you know, saying something like that, like, you know, you look so much better now that you have lost five pounds. Or one thing that was said to me all the time was like, oh, that'll look so good when you lose five pounds. Mm. And like, that will be, that will look good. So it kind of was always giving me this carrot to chase after. And so I'm just wondering, I know that you have studied um, and researched women, uh, you know, aunts, moms, all of them, like all these people about this topic. And I'm just curious what you found about the family messages and how those shape a girl's body image. Yeah. So we know that our family of origin, it shapes us in so many ways. It's shaping our core beliefs, which your core beliefs are just how you view yourself and the world around you. And then it drives everything that we do. It drives every decision that we make. And then when it comes to body image, especially in a study I I actually conducted in graduate school, it did over 99% of the ladies said, yes, I have memories of either a mom, an aunt or sister, some female family member 
talking either negatively about their own body or mm-hmm. about, like you said, them. And some of them even reported they were put on a diet themselves as early as age seven by their mom, mm-hmm. um, stuff like that. Yeah. And, and the thing is, when we look at family of origin things, I always like to be clear, I'm not going back there so that I can just cast blame and be mad at the parents, right? Yeah. Like I'm not here to play victim or help anybody else play a victim, but it is really important that we look at how we were shaped. And then exactly like what you just said, we go, that's not something I want to carry on. I know for me, I have two teenage daughters and a son and I, it's been very important to me that we have really good and hard conversations. And here's what I mean by good and hard conversations. I am not asking people to either remain silent or only speak positively. And I know that sounds weird. So let me explain. I'm asking you to have like real conversations with them and like, let be a safe space so that like my teenage daughter, that she can come to me and say, mom, I'm feeling fat. And that I don't just unleash on her and start quoting scripture over her or start like, you know, doing something where it's not band-aids. Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yes. Yeah. And, and like they feel like they can come and we can have those good conversations because I know that like, even those comments that adults made to me when I was losing all that weight, they were well-meaning. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying we can't even compliment each other. But it's, are we paying attention to people's hearts? Are we actually looking at, are you okay? Because here's the thing that baffles my mind about when I look at myself in high school, while I was looking really great, the choices I was making as um, character choices and reputation choices were very out of line. Like Mm -hmm. I was doing things and hanging out with people and all the things that were just like, how did you not see I was not okay? Like just because yeah. my body was looking better than it quote unquote ever had before. Um, my life decisions were very out of alignment. And that's the disconnect thing that I like to look for of, okay, if somebody looks great, but they're over here doing things that you're like, that's not you. What are you, that's not the person I know. What are you doing? And just kind of paying attention to those things. Yeah. And I'm even thinking like, of pop culture movies. Like whenever we think of these characters, they often have this sudden switch of appearance or um, actions or something like that. And these movies show us that this person is struggling and they just, and they start acting different and they start looking different and all these things. And then when it happens in real life, we ignore the behavior and we praise the appearance because you, we think that like, why why do we equate like a physical health? I don't know, like a thinness with mental, like a healthy mind. Mm. Does that like, why do we, that's just a random thought that just went through my head, but yeah, no, that's a great question. So I, I literally was asked this question on a podcast recently. And he said, is it, he, he was asking me if, he was, we were talking about preachers and he said, is it safe to say that if we see somebody who is physically fit, they're also more spiritually fit? And I'm like, no, that's not safe to say, no, not you know, like, yeah. it's not, but you're absolutely right. There's like culture thing, but it's also in Christian culture too, that yeah. if you look the part, 
if everything on the outside looks great, then internally you must also be great. And that's just simply not true. And part of it is culture for sure. And then also part of it is, I do believe it's in our human wiring. I mean, even we see that in the Bible, it says that man looks at the outward appearance, kind of like a fact, Ooh, but yeah. God looks at the heart, you know, yeah. like yeah. it's just, I also just think that's just the flesh. Like it's what we can see. And mm-hmm. so that's our surface level knee-jerk reaction. And I don't even know that there's anything wrong with like right now, Ainsley, I'm loving your hot pink shirt. And I'm like, I need to know where this hot pink shirt is from. (laughs) That's my flesh. Just like I see. And I think it's okay to appreciate the beauty all around us, but then do we go deeper or do we just stop Mm -hmm. there? Yeah. Well, and I'm even thinking of people being like, well, I'm taking care of my temple, which I'm like, yeah, great. Take care of the dwelling place of the Lord. Like, absolutely. But are you all, are you taking care of your heart? Are you taking care of your family? Are you taking, like, what's getting neglected? Yeah. If it's too much, if it becomes a, like, I don't know. I think it's just an a, a, an observation that we also need to just consider. Like, mm-hmm. any extreme action should cause, you know, some type of awareness from their village or community or group of people that love them to be able to have those good and hard conversations. Yeah. And I want to go back to how you're, how you're helping your daughters with this and having the good and hard conversation, I think is so good and so needed. And I'm just really, this is a selfish question for me. Like, how can I really facilitate those conversations? Like, what's my response whenever my daughter comes to me one day and says she feels fat or like her legs are too hairy or something like that, you know, because my sister and I'm talking a lot, sorry, but I'm, I'm so interested in this. So I remember my sister, she's 18 years younger than me at five, even said like, oh, my legs are hairy. I don't like that. I don't like how that, and she started having those thoughts then. So how can I have those conversations with my daughter or my sisters? Yeah. And I also just want to recap what you said a second ago and that um, our bodies are a temple to be taken care of, but they're not an idol to be worshipped. And those are the two extremes that we swing between of saying, oh, yeah, I can spend hours and hours on my temple, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. really that's that's worshiping it and um, having a problem with idols there. And so back to your question, though, about how I'm doing this with my daughter, I am all about, I actually wrote a whole chapter on emotions. I love emotions. I feel like emotions, yes, they get like thrown under the bus and people think they're the enemy and all this, but God gave us emotions. And so a statement like I feel fat, have you ever noticed that we have the word Mm -hmm. feel with it? Like I'm yeah. feeling it. We I've never heard anybody say, I think fat or I think I am fat. It's just, I feel fat. And so mm. I am a fan of, instead of telling people to tiptoe around an emotion. So if my daughter came and said, mom, I feel fat. I wouldn't tell her, let's go around that. And going around that looks like, oh, but you're not fat. Oh, but Mm -hmm. you're, you know, oh, you don't need to feel that way. And oh, you're daughter of the most high God. Okay, that's true. Please hear me. I'm not downplaying scriptures and prayer and all that stuff. Of course, of course. But sometimes we use it as an excuse to go around the feeling. And instead, I'm like, let's lean into it. Okay. And by leaning in, here's what I mean. Let's feel it. Let me feel it with you. All right. You feel that. Okay. 
what what does that explain to me more? Like, what does that mean to you? And as she talks and whatever her response is, and she says things, okay, what does that mean about your identity? Like what, like, let's just say this, it, it was a true statement. Like, even if this was true, what does that mm, mean about you? Yeah. And just helping her sort through that is healthy because it teaches her instead of being afraid when these things pop up and instead of tiptoeing around them. And then one of the reasons we don't talk to each other about this kind of stuff, mother, daughter, and just friend to friend is because we all get that response. If I were to say, Oh, Ainsley, I feel fat or I feel dumb. Most of the time our response is, Oh, but you're not dumb. You know? Oh, don't feel that way. Yeah. Or we turn it back on ourselves. How many women go, oh, you're not the fat one. I'm the fat one. Did you see this roll over here? Like that's how we, we then, they now, we dismissed their problem completely and turned it back to me and made it about me all of a sudden in my fat role. And right. And so we're just, instead of giving each other that space to lean in, we're saying, ooh, let's go around, let's pivot, let's go this direction. And I honestly feel like some of these things come up because it's just showing us what's in our heart. And so the root of I feel fat usually is some kind of core belief of exactly what we were just talking about a little bit ago. There's some kind of link in our head that says, oh, if I don't look like this, then my identity is now shaken and I now don't have worth or I now, whatever the thing is, just like you said, it's different for every individual, but there's something lying beneath that statement. I feel fat that if we don't take time to lean into, it's just going to keep popping up in other areas. That is so true and so good. I'm like not looking forward to having these conversations, but I also feel way more equipped than yeah. I did two minutes ago yeah. before I asked you that question. That's so good and so helpful for even just friendship conversations. I'm thinking how many times have I had this conversation with, or just not had this conversation, avoided this conversation, sidestepped or whatever, because we were in a public setting or we were at dinner and you're just like, oh, Oh gosh, um, all of these situations are playing in my head. <laughs> oh, yeah, and we've all done it. it. Yeah, moving forward. Oh yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. And the one encouragement I would tell to people, first of all, extend yourself some grace because we've all said the wrong thing or done the wrong thing in situations. <laughs> so, like a little grace there. But also, this right here is why it's so important to do your own processing. I also yeah. believe the reason we don't respond well to people in situations is because we have our own processing that we have not done. And yeah. so it's like when they bring something up, all of a sudden you're like, ooh, here, let me process. And that's not your space to process. It's it's your wow. daughters, it's your friends, it's your... Now, of course, with friends, yes, you can. But definitely with your daughter, it's not your space to process your... Yeah. You don't really want to with her necessarily being the first time that you process something. Can you share stories? Absolutely. But yeah, so that I hope gives women encouragement to say, okay, this is why one more reason why it's time for me to process some of this pain, because if I want to be able to help others through what they're going through, I need to have processed some of my own things. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's so true. I mean, I keep saying that, like I keep saying that same phrase. Oh my gosh, it's so true. But it is, it really is. And the lack of doing our own processing is when we start the projecting and the dismissing and the going around. And my gosh, that's how we just continue in this toxic cycle. And 
I'm so glad that you're helping us break that cycle. The most common dating question I get is, what do you think about apps? And I wanna tell you about my favorite dating app to refer people to. It's called Salt. So it's free to use. And unlike other Christian dating apps, it's made by Christians for Christians. So you can go in knowing that you already have the most important thing in common, your faith and values. Y'all, I personally have not only met the team, but I have two close friends who can really speak to the validity of this app. And they say it takes some of the cringe out of those conversations. Can I get an amen? <laughs> and you can download Salt from App or Play Store. And after creating your profile, use code WILD for six weeks free premium. This is for US and Canada only. And please DM me to let me know how you like it because admittedly, I'm over-invested in your dating lives. <laughs> and I, I really do believe that this is a step forward in getting back to healthy dating. So y'all check Salt out and don't forget to use code WILD. And one quote that I really loved that I read was uh, in the book. And it says, when I discovered I could control my weight and outward appearance, it gave me a false sense of control. And I think that I have heard and experienced so many situations like that, where it's like, well, this is something that I can control. So that's what I'm going to do. But I like that you put this false sense of control. So I just kind of want to hear about your thoughts behind this quote and what it means to you. Yeah, well, we know that oftentimes any form of disordered eating and body dysmorphia, uh, there's control is a really big root issue. I can't say 100% of the time, but for enough of the time that it is. And I know I'll give you a very specific example. when you ask what it means to me, for me, when my world, if you will, that the things that I feel like I can't control starts to spiral, my unhealthy coping is over-exercising. Mm. Uh, some people do over eating and that overeating used to be one for me too. And so here's the thing, if we don't get to the root of, of addictions, it will just pop up in another area. So like I yeah. overcame my addiction with the yo-yo and the binging, and then it popped up in another area of over-exercising or mm. overspending. And so it's really important to get to the root of what's even happening. Thankfully, now I see this in myself. And so whenever we went through the pandemic, I found myself over-exercising to where mm. even my family was like, what are you what are you doing? And it did, it kind of snapped me out of it. I was like, what am I doing? I'm, this is all I can control right now. Like everything yeah. else is spinning. I can hop on the treadmill or I can do something else and kind of take my mind off. And so something that is a good thing, we can all agree exercise is a good thing in the proper dosage, but not yeah. when it becomes my God thing. Not yeah. when I think my hope is in exercise exercise to make me feel better or to take my mind off of all my problems or fix the things that are spiraling out of my control. And so that's why I say it's a false sense of control because yes. for that 30 minutes that I was exercising, I felt in control. I felt strong and yeah, you know, I can do this and I'm, you know, I'm, we've got this, but then when the exercise ends, crap, the problem's still there, you know, like, yes. and I, and so it's a false sense of it. There's so many things that are running through my mind that I'm like, when have I done this? Like, when have I had this false sense of control and really, truly believed that it was not a false sense of it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh man, that's incredible. 
Okay. I want to ask you, so for our listeners, um, your the book cover image is in pink rest is in green. And then the rest of restored is in pink. Tell us why you chose to put rest in a distinctive color and to really set it apart. Well, I love that you went here right from what I just said, because you know, my, uh, unhealthy hoping is over exercising, which yeah. we could also <laughs> equate to striving, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so I, obviously that's exercise, but striving. And if I could sum up, I know for myself and then for so many women that I've counseled, striving oftentimes is coupled with the shame, this insecurity. And it's that that little tiny thing in our head that's saying, if you just did a little bit more, man, mm-hmm. if you could just pull yourself together a tiny bit more, if you could just whatever. Right. And that's just a spirit of striving. That's just constantly badgering us and saying, if you could just do this, if you could only be more like that over there, then your life would be so amazing. And I just wanted, and that's part, part of also why I wrote the book in a way where there's space for people to process Mm -hmm, (laughs) as we've been talking about, because Mm -hmm. I understand it's hard as women, but to just rest it and cease from striving, even if mm-hmm. that looks like five minutes of it, <laughs> that yeah. you did that where you're like, you know what, for five minutes, I am not going to strive. I am going to rest in and rest. I have it to where you're resting in God's word as you do some coloring and therapeutic activities. Because again, it's not just resting. I think sometimes I know for myself, anyhow, I can view rest as like laying on the couch and staring at the ceiling. And yep. sure, sometimes that that could be rest sometimes, but I'm I'm after the kind of rest that's like I could be actually working, but I'm resting in who God says I am versus yeah. oh, I'm re- I'm working out of a place of I have to do this and if I could just get a little more ahead. So that's why we did make that for the rest a different color. I really love that because I I had just honestly gone through this quiet time a few weeks ago that really changed my perspective on rest. And, you know, I can take all the physical rest that I want, but I will not feel fully rested without a nearness to him. And that's exactly what you're saying. Like when we're resting in him, it's, it's really, we get the peace from that rest because of a nearness to him. Um, so I really love that. And I, and I like that you talked about the space to process and the interactive elements of the book, because it has so many awesome elements that really take you through this process that we're talking about and this healing journey from reading to journaling, coloring. And then you also have, um, videos to go along with it. So tell us a little bit about the elements and then where we can find the book. Yeah, I specifically wrote the book with uh, more chapters, but they're shorter because I know that women, we like to feel like, okay, I did it, but I also want to make sure that we actually stop and process and rest because while I believe that the words I wrote in the book are powerful, I am confident that the most life-changing piece is going to be pausing to process and say, okay, Lord, what are you saying to me right now? What do yeah. I need to process that it's still cooped up in my heart and my mind that just needs to get up and out? 
And so, yeah, at the end of every chapter, there's space to journal, to color, and then there's six units where I'm introducing a counseling activity and then walking you through it also in the video. So whatever kind of learner you are, you're going to, it's going to get hit on at some point. And then you asked where they can learn about the book. Um, Obviously all the retailers, you can pretty much find it. But then if you just want to learn more about the book, you can go to imagerestoredbook.com. And I actually have a private podcast for book readers, the Image Restored podcast. Cool. And so on that book page, if you just input your name and email, you will get access to that private podcast. And it's really just me going through each of the chapters with you, kind of talking you through it. I'm not reading the chapter to you, but I'm um, giving some behind the scenes from that chapter and then key takeaways that I want you to remember. Very cool. That's a lot of fun bonus content that you're definitely providing. And then where can we hang out with you online? My main hub is my website. That's Rachel J, not Rachel J, (laughs) rachelgilbert.com. Where I got the J was on Instagram. I'm Rachel J Gilbert. And then you do spell my name differently. It has an A in there. So it's R-A-C-H-A-E-L. Yes. Perfect. Thank you so much for hanging out this day. You have given us Just so many nuggets and I'm just so thankful. So I appreciate you. Thanks, Ainsley. Thank you so, so much for spending time with us today and hanging out here on Wild Confidence. I hope that you feel encouraged and ready to tackle the day, feeling even more confident than you did before you started listening. I'd be so thankful if you left a review or shared this episode with a friend and I'll see you soon. Oh, don't forget, let's connect on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at Ainsley B and I hope to meet you there.